You're listening to Kenny Soto's Digital Marketing Podcast, your number one resource for career and professional development, personal branding tips and tricks, and content strategy for digital marketers and business owners. If you enjoy listening to this episode, please support this podcast by sharing it amongst your friends, coworkers, clients, and your network. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kenny Soto's Digital Marketing Podcast, your resource sensor for trips and tricks, excuse me, <laughs> tips and tricks in the digital marketing landscape. Today, I have a really cool person that I know all of you will love to listen to and learn from. Her name is Miruna Dragomir, and she is the head of marketing at Planable, a content collaboration platform for social media teams. For the past three years, she's been leading growth efforts at Planable, and they've been able to grow their revenue by 30 times in the past three years, and it's continued to going has continued to be going up. She was previously a part of Uber's marketing team and Oracle's social media team. Welcome, Miruna. Yeah, hi. Uh, it's good to be here. Now, I like to ask uh, a blanket question just to get more information about your background and for the listeners to get more context on who you are and why you do what you do. So my first question for you is, why did you get into digital marketing? That's a very good question. Um, I think for me, it was, it was a, uh, it wasn't intended necessarily. I didn't, uh, you know, wake up when I was 15 or 16 and I say digital marketing, that's going to be my thing. Um, I actually started, um, I, I, when I was uh, in high school and I had to choose a topic and a, and a career path, um, I thought advertising was actually my um, my go-to. Um, and it wasn't that well-informed um, because I, it, it was just based on what I've seen in shows or uh, movies. It wasn't like real life at all. Um, but I remember I started talking to some people from the advertising industry, trying to understand uh, what specifically I'd like. And it was really interesting because I started to feel back then that something about the uh, the advertising industry isn't right for me. Because all of the people I would talk with, they would ask me, okay, that's great, advertising, but what from advertising? Do you want uh, to go to strategy and research or do you want to be like a creative uh, copywriter or would you like to be a designer? What is it? And I wouldn't know how to answer that uh, because I would keep saying all of it. (laughs) I want all of it. Um, And everyone would kind of, you know, have a shoulder shrug of, okay, but all of it is not really an option. Um, and then when I uh, went to university, I chose the adverti- an advertising uh, university. And then I would I would still feel like I'm missing something because uh, I would even go to like internship interviews and the same questions all the time: which path, which path? And I didn't want to choose any of the available paths. I wanted it all. And then I uh, I kind of under- started to talk to more people and understand. Um, that there is this uh, marketing world, entire marketing world, and uh, joining the client side means that you could end up having a role that has it all. 
Um, and this combination between absolutely everything uh, from analytics to uh, data to even creative campaigns made me want to say, okay, this sounds like, um, like it's for me. Like I could really um, enjoy this kind of diversity and uh, a dynamic environment. So that's how I ended up in marketing and then digital Digital is really the the part that where I could deep dive into my data uh, into my love for data because I really have a thing for that. So um, digital marketing is kind of the the place where you where you can go very very in depth with all your analytics and and that's that's why I lo- loved it so much. Now, this can be from either Oracle, Uber, or your experience working at both companies. What's the most important lesson that you learned from working with those teams that you still use today? Um, I think, yeah, it's a lesson that I've, that I've learned exactly from both companies. And that is that I personally, and I think that um, most marketers should strive to have as much of the big picture as possible. Um, I think that's one thing that I that I was kind of missing at Oracle, and I really wanted it um, because um, Oracle, you know, it's a, it's a, such a huge company, um, and it's it's hard to get a to get a full picture when you are part of a social media team. Uh, you don't really have access to all the data, to all the goals behind everything, every campaign, uh, to the real journey from. I don't know, a person that hears about you from visiting or from Google or from anywhere, and then their entire journey until they actually sign up or get to a salesperson. Um, And I missed that at Oracle, and I found out how it really is to to have the, um, the opportunity to look at all the data at Uber. Uh, Uber is a very data-driven company, um, and there was really there were there were no either than uh, if you didn't want to learn, there was no stopping you to explore with data as much as you wanted to. Um, it wasn't it wasn't all dashboards or it was SQL. It was databases that you could access for yourself if you learned to um, to query using SQL. Uh, so that's what I did there. And once I uh, kind of got the an understanding of how SQL works, I w- would lose days in, in the system uh, looking at insights and finding patterns and all that. So that's what I took with me at Planable. Uh, it's funny because I remember to this day that my first question at the interview um, for the job was, how much access do I have to data? How transparent are you as a company? Can I see it all because I need to see it all. Um, Yeah. Personally, SQL scares me. (laughs) If I wanted to learn about it, what would you recommend is like the best approach and or set of resources I can use to learn SQL? Um. Honestly, I don't have a specific uh, website to reference Mm -hmm. people to because um, the way I personally did it is at Uber, there was a set of resources uh, specifically made for the databases at Uber. 
But the way I do it and the way I kind of approach learning in many topics, um, I'm not a very patient person. So I cannot spend a lot of time reading on a subject. I need to get my hands dirty and to start doing at, um, at from the first minute if it's possible. So how I'd start doing it is that I'd read for like a one hour about it, just to understand the basics, you know, that you need to access separate uh, uh, collections or tables and that you have to tell kind of the system how to access those kind of these basics of uh, of how SQL works and how this um, accessing of databases works. Um, and then I'd just try it out, just try to write my first line and always do it with Google in front of you because it, it might seem like you're not learning much when you're simply copying queries from Google. But once you do, you'll have to make some changes. And once you have to make those changes to the Google queries, you'll have to understand how they work. You'll have to understand what you're replacing and why. Uh, so um yeah, honestly, I'd go all in, uh, leave, uh, if possible, viewers behind and just try it out, see see how it goes. So really, the only way to learn SQL and just like any other thing is just to try it out. If it breaks, figure out why and then keep moving forward. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it's 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 not easy. I, I, I'll, I'll give it that. I, it wasn't easy for me. It took a uh, a bit of time to, uh, and a bit of, <laughs> it can be frustrating, you know, because you keep changing these small things and then it's still, it's still showing uh, an error or no results. And uh, it can be really frustrating, but then when you finally nail it, it's, um, it's very rewarding too. Got it. Now you are in a very competitive industry, that industry being MarTech and Last time I checked, there's more than 8,000 MarTech companies. Probably by the end of this year, there'll be around 10,000, maybe even more than that. And I definitely want to start off by asking you, what does Planable do? Yes. Okay. So Planable is, yes, a uh, tech uh, a software for marketing for social media teams in particular. Um, what it, it's, it's a collaboration platform. Uh, what it does is that it's this one uh, one space where the marketing and social media team can unite and um, create, plan, collaborate, approve, and schedule their social media posts. So very briefly, it's everything that happens before and including the actual publishing of a post. So all the... Um, a familiar way to that people can relate to is usually the spreadsheets, the spreadsheets, the emails and the calls. That's how a lot of teams still do it. They create their uh, content calendars in a spreadsheet. They then send that spreadsheet to everyone, expect uh, comments in separate cells, implement comments and then copy paste them usually to a creative, uh, to the native platform or to a publishing tool. Um, so Planable takes care of all this process. It's where you um, it's where you get rid of all of these uh, tools that are not built for a social. I'm thinking of the best way to phrase this question. So what would you say is the most common set of mistakes a social media team makes that this tool helps to solve. You mentioned using spreadsheets for collaboration. Are there any other things that 
can be categorized as mistakes that a social media team or a content marketing team would be using that this tool helps to solve? Yeah, so I think for me, what I find is a, is a very big mistake is teams that run from approval processes. Um, it seems it's 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 natural in a way. Uh, it's tempting to say, you know, having approval processes in place, having people, a lot of people involved, having, I don't know, legal or brand or PR approver content or a manager or CEO is just, um, it's going to get us, uh, it's going to slow us down, it's going to get clunky, it's going to get very bureaucratic um, and not at all flexible and creative. Um, And I think that's a mistake because I personally believe that the more brains involved in a process, the better. Um, It's almost always... Uh, when more people are involved, the end product and the end result is going to be better. So running away from involving too many people is probably, it probably means that you're losing out on uh, on performance and on better results. But I do understand the fear because the fear is real. Um, having 10 or 20 people in an email thread really makes a difference. It can really slow you down. But that's kind of what what Planable solves. This mistake is what Planable solves. It allows you to collaborate with as many people as possible without having this um, w- without having to pay in efficiency or in um, you know deadlines missed. Um, so I, I really think that you should you should not allow the compromise of as little people involved as possible. But focusing on the right process, even if it's planable, if it's a different um, other kind of system that works for you, that's fine. But it's important It's important to really draw it down and design it in a way that it has the clarity, the visibility, and the efficiency that a, this kind of process really needs. I would love your opinion on the idea that one size fits all. Does that really work when creating a, a content strategy for social media? Should I use the same type of content that I use on Instagram, on Twitter, and LinkedIn as an example? What are your opinions on that? Probably, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, it's always about, in terms of, you know, what you actually do in marketing or on social, I think it's always a matter of the classic impact versus effort. Um, So I would test it, honestly. Yes, uh, traditionally, it wouldn't be advised to put the exact same content because it probably, the audience will not respond in the same way. Um, If we only think of us as uh, consumers, when we browse Instagram, we're in a mood. When we browse LinkedIn, we're in probably a totally different mood. So it's a different kind of um, topic even, but even if it's the same topic, we expect it framed or said in a, in a different way. Um, on Instagram, we're probably more chill, relaxed. We're not necessarily there to see a very formal kind of content. On LinkedIn, we're there to learn. So we're prepared for you to throw us real valuable content and not general fun stuff. So it's most probably it's not a very wise idea, but 
um, if I if I would were to actually um, work on social in a particular team, I would test to see just how big the impact of personalization or non-personalization is and uh, try to measure how much time it takes me to curate and personalize that content for each platform and see how big of a difference that, uh, what that accounts to. Is it is it a positive result when you balance it out or it's just, it's too much time and it's not worth it for your particular audience and scheme? Now we're going to diverge just a little bit. We're still talking about Planable, but in a different set of topics. So I wanna know, what's the hardest part of your role today? as head of marketing? Um, um, it's patience. <laughs> um, for, for my role in particular and for the stage that Planable is in is that there is, we, as any startup, we focus on growth and we focus on growing and scaling as, uh, as fast as possible. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, a marketer that likes to throw money at the problem. That's a bit of a pet peeve of mine. I really, I like frugalness and I like to know that the money we invest um, has a result one way or another. Um, so sponsoring everything out there and putting plastic our name across billboards isn't my go-to solution. Uh, I want to test, I want to experiment. And when I see the clear ROI, I want to test the scaling and do it um, step by step, uh, ensuring a health, healthy and steady growth. Um, and that's kind of, I think, a struggle because it's it's hard to wait sometimes. Uh, you sometimes just want to, okay, that ad worked out with a certain amount of money. Let's just double that amount of money and that's gonna that's gonna double our growth. That's usually not how it goes. So um, being patient and scaling one step at a time, I think is, um, is a challenge. Besides patience, regardless of your specific job, what skills does a marketer need in order to become a head of marketing, whether that's marketing for a startup, a big corporation, whether it's B2B, B2C, a service-based business, or a, a, a product-based business? Um, I think those skills can, um, can vary a bit what you need to focus on. Um, marketing in a, not in a startup necessarily, but in tech, marketing in tech and in software, whether it's B2C or B2B, usually means that you have to, you should be a more of a hybrid marketer and a technical marketer uh, and less of a specialist, possibly. Um, that is if you, if you want to um, take the head of marketing route, for example, uh, because you being a head of marketing to get there, you'll probably have to experiment with a lot of different parts of marketing. Uh, you might have to do A-B tests at some point. You might have to do uh, newsletters at another point. You might have to experiment with performance. Um, and all that means that you don't necessarily, you aren't very set in your ways and you're not very, this is what I like to do and nothing else. Um, that's a different route. You can become an expert, a huge a specialist in something. And that's amazing if that's the kind of 
person that you think you are and if you, if you think that works for you being very focused on one thing um i think if you if you want to work in in tech you have to really embrace the um analytical part of it um because it's it there's really so few places left where you can be creative and nothing um and not 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 combine that with data in any way um, so I think that's that's a very important skill to have uh, and to explore as much as possible. And it's not only, I mean, you don't have to learn SQL. It's just the mentality behind being an analytical person. It doesn't have to necessarily mean that you have to, um, I don't know, know Excel to uh, top. Um, just, just having the mindset ready, asking questions all the time, the whys, you know, why does that happen? Why that, what does that mean? What, uh, what could we do to learn more about this and that? So there's definitely two approaches. There's the specialist route and the mm -hmm. generalist route. Now, mm -hmm. I saw on Planable's website something very interesting that I haven't seen in any other marketing tool, whether it's focused on social media or paid advertising or competitor analysis or market research, your company has its product roadmap on display for future features and features that users have asked for. Why did you decide to have that on your website? Can you speak more about that? Um, yeah, I think it's part of how we differentiate for one thing. Um, we're very open and transparent with our uh, customers and the roadmap for example in particular it's it's kind of the the public voice of our customers at this point it's not necessarily what we're going to do we don't it doesn't we don't commit to it and we we say that you know it might you might vote for some features that we might decide not to implement but for sure, we're going to monitor that roadmap and the way you vote for those um, constantly. And you'll you'll know for sure that we're not ignoring it. Uh, and we chose to, to make it public because we want everyone to know where we're going, not only where, where we're at. Um, I think it's it's important for you as a company to to show that you're you're human, you're on a path, you're not, uh, especially in tech, it's um it's important for people to know that you'll grow and develop and that they're going to be there for that journey. They're not buying this one product that's fixed and that's the way it's going to be. Um, they're going to be there with you. You're going to grow. They're going to help you grow. They're going to um, tell you what they think you should do to grow. Um, and that's that kind of builds the relationship between our customers and us. And it it. It even it, it creates a bond that's a bit less transactional. It's not only about, I paid for this, you better deliver. Uh, it's more, okay, look, I think you guys are doing this great, but this little thing, not amazing. Uh, you should change that. And we listen to that and we implement that feedback. And it, it helps us listen to our customers and it helps our customers sometimes even cut us a bit some slack, you know, understand that we're a team, we're human, we're growing and it's probably never going to be perfect. But as long as we keep listening to them and improving it, it uh, allows them to understand us, to not 
uh, view us as this rigid entity that they can only judge and criticize, but also help. Just like people, teams and products evolve over time. Exactly. What do you think is a non-obvious trap early stage startups fall into? You mentioned earlier throwing paid spend to see if scale can happen that way. Are there any other examples of traps that aren't aren't necessarily obvious to early stage startups? Um, Yeah, I think there are two very common mistakes. The first is um, selling yourself cheap. This is a very common mistake because, you know, if you're a a modest, humble entrepreneur, you've just started, you want people to use your product, um, you don't, you don't care yet that much about money. So you just want people to um, pay anything, really show that they are kind of giving something in return and they're not free users, but they feel like they could and want to pay for the product. But they sell themselves too cheap because they're most usually humble and afraid that people are not going to pay if they ask for too much. Um, And I think that's a mistake because it's very hard to change that mindset once you grow. You'll start hiring people. You'll start hiring salespeople, marketing people that will end up selling at their um, on their own. And. Even if you don't mean to, you'll um, kind of pass that kind of attitude along, sell at any cost, allow for discounts anytime, do whatever you have to do to close the customer. And it's going to be harder and harder to set a clear boundary and uh, barrier of what you will sell your product with. And in if you grow a lot in the beginning with those very uh, low costs, it will be very hard to raise those costs. You usually will choose not to and to grandfather people in. And those people might end up costing you a lot because they're using the improved version. They need a lot of customer support. They uh, take out take on a lot of you know resources, um, no matter what they are. And you'll basically be at a loss and you'll lose money. So that's, I think, a very often mistake. I'm not saying, you know, go very bold out there and say you want millions of dollars for your product. You have to be realistic, but realistic, not, um, I don't know, too humble. Um, And the second mistake um, is putting the, it's still kind of very related to this, the growth at all costs kind of mentality and doing whatever it needs, you need to grow. A lot of that mentality is good, but there should be some boundaries. Um, One of them I think is frugalness. You shouldn't spend money without thinking about it um, or without looking at the results. Um, And that's, you know, uh, investing too much in doing things and too little into looking at the things that you're doing. Um, you know, putting all engines on do, 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 uh, take, uh, put content out, put marketing out, put ads out, everything so that people will come in. But uh, a lot of times teams don't stop to, okay, but what are we doing? Is it working? Is it not working? Is it working well? Um, 
because of this pressure to grow. So that's that I'd say I'd recommend stopping every now and then, every quarter, every half a year to really look at, at the results of what you're doing. My last question for you is more focused on your overall career so up to today. If you can go back in time knowing everything you know right now and use what you know to speed up the trajectory of your career 10 times faster, what would you do? Honestly, I think I'd spend a bit less time at Oracle. Um, and that it, it just, I think the lessons learned there ended a bit sooner than I chose to leave. Um, that's one thing. And I think I'd spend more time understanding everything about marketing from uh, top to bottom um, and less in trying to deep dive in some topics that I really wanted to understand but couldn't at that time. Can you elaborate? Um, yeah, I think, uh, for example, at first I wanted to learn more at some point about design, for example which came in very useful, don't get me wrong. It really helped me the fact that I knew all the tools, you know, the Adobe suit and uh, whatever else need, I needed in, in time. But for example, I think I spent a bit too much time on that. I should have just, you know, okay, fine. I know how to open it. I know how to crop a photo, put a filter on, I don't know, create a few vectors, uh, edit them and save the, save the file. Um, but for some reason, you know, I couldn't let it go. I wanted it to be beautiful. But when you were, when I was young, at least, it was hard to accept that I'm going to be good at some things and bad at others. Design is not something I'm ever going to be really good at. And, and after I grew up, I learned to accept it. Okay, that's not my thing. That's never going to be my thing. I'm going to work with amazing designers. And that's not something I sh should or have to excel at. Um, and I think that's something I would tell myself to let things go a bit sooner, which is, it sounds, you know, counterintuitive. A lot of people say, don't give up, never give up. I think sometimes it might be a, an idea to give up if you don't enjoy that particular thing, or if you're really not good at it, you'll probably, you're probably good at some other things um, that you're not exploring because of the time you're wasting on this. So it really comes down to listening to yourself and trusting your instincts. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Miruna, if anyone wanted to connect with you online, where could they find you? Uh, LinkedIn is the best best place to to connect. I keep it very very clean and up to date. So uh, just connect with me there, ping me, message me, whatever, and I'll I'll be sure to reply. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Please share it, subscribe, and if you have any questions or comments, connect with me at www.kennysoto.com. I look forward to hearing from you soon.